Hello everyone, welcome to the Road to Recovery podcast. This podcast is a platform for education, discussion, and conversations on mental health. I'm your host, Amira Shah, and in this podcast, you'll get to know more about the therapeutic process, insight into life from the perspective of the psyche, and also join me in exploring current issues with other practitioners. I specialize in grief, but I'm always interested in learning about the human experience of the mind, heart, and spirit. So join me on this journey of in-depth learning about ourselves and the world we live in. Hi everyone, welcome back to Science of the Soul. Today I'd like to welcome Enoch Behzadpour. He is the owner of a gym called UFIT 24-7. He has a certificate three and four in fitness and a degree in international business. And he's been in the fitness industry for 20 years. He's had this desire to help people improve their fitness for must be 20 years of his life now. So hi Enoch, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me here today. Thank you for coming. Welcome. I'm very excited because, well, background story, I'm a member at Enoch's gym and I'm there quite regularly as he can tell. Yeah, definitely. Um, And we've had a few conversations and we pretty much enjoy talking to each other and I think there's a lot to learn from him. So I've invited him to join us in Science of the Soul, and I wanted to know what his thoughts are around mental health and fitness. So Enoch, what do you think is the importance of fitness and how does it help with uh, mental health? Oh, look, I, I think it's extremely important um, to you know uh, engage in some sort of physical activity, uh, whether it's you know on a daily basis or a, a few times a week. Um, and I, I you know, personally speaking, I've been, been you know, exercising nearly my whole life since I was a, a little kid. You know, I was I remember having, I've got glimpses of me, uh, flashbacks of me doing push-ups and sit-ups when I was about like six years old. Oh my god! Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think it was sort of something I was born, you know, loving to do. Um, but you know, I've I've realised uh, how important fitness is, especially you know, for for myself, uh, having gone through a lot of mental illness in the past uh, and. The gym, you know, really helped, you know, um, help me get through those those tough times. Um, so, you know, basically, you can feel down uh, about whatever it is. Uh, you go and do a good gym workout. By the end of it, I guarantee you're leaving feeling fantastic. Mm. Um, you know, the, the body, you know, when, when we stress release uh, cortisol, which is a stress hormone, mm-hmm. um, you know, and basically one of the best ways to remove that from the body is by exercising. Mm. Uh, so I think it's you know very important for the mental health aspect um, and I think it's very overlooked you know a lot of people are quick to go and get medicated you know by the doctors and so forth um, mm. and then they forget about the most simple thing which is exercise so mm. yeah something our body actually needs to do 100% so can I just ask you maybe you know the answer to this maybe not um, do we produce cortisol every day or do we need to do we need to make our body produce it? Uh, it's basically, uh, it's it's released when we stress. So, okay. um, and then it can put us in that fight or flight, flight mode. Okay. Um, so yeah, you don't want to continually keep increasing cortisol. Mm. Uh, 
but yeah, it simply can happen by you know stressful situations. So you know you want to try and get rid of that as much as you can. And what happens is what you know the exercise when you exercise your your body releases endorphins, mm-hmm. uh, which makes you feel good. So it works on your dopamine, mm-hmm. uh, your natural dopamine levels. Um, so and that's why you know you, you get rid of the cortisol and then you know you, you go through that feeling of you know feeling great and good mm-hmm. because you remove that with the exercise. Um, yeah, so you definitely don't want to keep, uh, you know, releasing cortisol in the body because it's just just not good for us. So if you go to the gym or say, for example, you do some exercise, are are you saying that the cortisol gets released as much as it needs to be released during that period of activity, and then the rest of the day you're not on edge? Yeah. Well, I mean. You know, it, it, yeah, in essence, yeah. You know, uh, basically, it it gets rid of the, that cortisol, uh, and then you got the endorphins. So mm. you know, you imagine you've gone from feeling a little bit down to just feeling amazing. Mm. You know, within half an hour or forty minutes, uh, because of your dopamine levels. Mm. Um, and yeah, and obviously, if you are, you know, the stress will come back. Mm. We're going to get stressful things happening. Uh, but if you're consistent with your training, uh, what I found is that. You're, when you have those stressful situations uh, and you're constantly exercising and eating well, it's a lot easier to deal with mm. those situations in the moment um, if mm. you're exercising all the time. Because you know, you, you know, you're constantly feeling good about yourself and you've constantly got those endorphins going. So, mm. uh, so yeah, so it's, that's why it's important for, for people to exercise. You know? mm. Actually, I'd like to share a little random story yeah, um, what you just told me reminded me of um, I think it was a week ago I was at your gym I don't think you were around that day um, there was only like there was only a few people it was very early in the morning yeah. and um, I'd done a workout and at the end I just decided to jump a rope and I was glad actually there was not there weren't many people there because um, <laughs> I was just like I was just jumping a rope yeah. and and then it got to a point where I just I was just closing my eyes and just concentrating, so I was in flow state. And suddenly I started laughing. Yeah, so okay. I think I yeah, there's some, some sort yeah. of like chemical reaction was happening, and yeah. I was in flow state, so I wasn't really thinking about yeah. anything. It was just movement, and I was just jumping and jumping, and I started laughing to myself. <laughs> so finally, nice. <laughs> I looked, I opened my eyes, I'm like, oh, thank God, no one yeah. saw me. <laughs> Just, just laughing, and then, and then I left, and I ran home. Like I didn't, yeah. I wasn't riding that day, so I just, I just ran home yeah. like happily. There you <laughs> like, go. Just, it was such a yeah. random experience, but That's it was so fun. Yeah, there you go. You know, you would have had a massive endorphin release then, and just you know, feeling happy. Oh. And that's the beauty of it, you know. You know, a little bit of exercise. Mm. You know, some people like to do it every day. I, I don't think you need to do it every day, but you know, at least a few times a week. And it just keeps you in that nice, calm, happy state. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that's a cool story, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, and what about you? What do you do? Like, do you work out every day or do you uh, exercise? Like, what's your activity? Yeah, well, obviously, um, you know, because I own a gym, so I'm, I'm there quite often. Uh, yeah. When I was a lot younger, uh, I used to train, you know, six, sometimes seven days a week. Wow. That was in my sort of early 20s. Now I'll be 40 this year. Um, so I, uh, but because I've got my physique to a level where I'm sort of happy with, it's a lot easier to maintain it. Mm. So I don't have to 
do as many days. Uh, I'll probably do about four four sessions a week, sometimes five, uh, and then I have my rest my rest days. Uh, for me though, it's 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 a massive addiction. I mm. I just can't live without it anymore. It's gotten to that point. Yeah. So you run a business. Yeah. So I open a gym, <laughs> so I can you know never escape it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, I just I absolutely love it. You know, and if I don't do it, I feel it like if two or three days without mm. training. Um, you know, I start feeling the, the effects of not, not exercising. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely needed for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think I can relate. Usually when when there's like a bit of a holiday or a long weekend and yeah. I go away and do something and then, you know, I don't exercise for maybe three or four days because I'm in the car. It's like yeah. a road trip. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I, get, I actually start feeling depressed. Yeah. So yeah. I get like the holiday blues, not after the holiday, yeah. but during the holiday. That's it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's why it's funny. Like every Christmas, because um, usually we close the gym for like a, a week or so. Mm. Uh, and um, yeah, this last Christmas, I actually, I didn't because... It just puts me out of my routine and mm. I hate it, you know. You go a few days, four or five days, you know, and the next minute you're feeling low again. Yeah. Um, so I can relate. And it's all it all comes back down to that, you know, uh, that natural you know, release of the endorphins that you mm. get when you're exercising. So imagine, you know, you're doing that and then you just completely stop. Mm. And it's mm. almost like you have withdrawals. Like withdrawals, yeah. yeah. So just like it's like people that take drugs, you know. Mm their dopamine levels increase while they're on it and then once it's coming out of the system they start withdrawing mm. and they take it again so they can feel better yeah. so it, it works the same way it's just with exercise it's natural mm. so. is it bad do you think this so-called addiction to activity or um, look I, if the way I look at it is if you're excessive with anything in life mm-hmm. in my opinion I, I believe I can't say it's good or bad. Okay. You know, I just think that maybe bring it back to a balance if if it's affecting, you know, your relationships or, or whatever it is, mm. you know. But if you've gone, if you're somebody that's, you know, was, for example, hooked on drugs, like mm. hard drugs, and then you've replaced it with going to the gym and mm. it's a little bit excessive, go for it. Because you'd mm. rather be a bit more excessive with, with something that's actually good for you mm. compared to something that's bad. And then eventually uh, you can sort of, yeah, find that balance, mm. you know, uh, and not have to go too crazy with it. Mm. Um, because you can, you know, some people can get too, they can overdo it when they exercise, mm. you know, and then they can get injured and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So, uh, yeah, definitely. But I, I, like I said, I would rather somebody be addicted to the gym than be addicted to cocaine or mm. something like that and be yeah. excessive in the gym, you know, yeah. if, if it's getting them away from that. So. <laughs> it's a better thing to be it addicted is, yeah. to. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit about that. I'm just thinking about quality of life. Like, what? How does exercising or going to the gym improve your quality of life, and how does that impact mental health? Yeah. So, um, quality of life. Obviously, you've got your uh, physiological aspect and your psychological aspect. Mm-hmm. So, uh, psychological. Obviously, you're, you're constantly you know, uh, you know, releasing those endorphins, which we spoke about, you're constantly feeling good, you know, you've got your blood flow going, mm-hmm. you know, and all that sort of stuff, you're just not stagnant. Um, and obviously, uh, physically, um, you know, people want to look and feel good and, and feel comfortable and skin, you know, so 
it, and, that, and those things all together, I think really help with quality of life. Uh, the other thing is obviously when you exercise, you know, you decrease your chances of getting certain diseases like heart mm. disease and, and so forth. Um, so that, that's another aspect of quality of life, bone density. You know, so mm. a lot of people you see, in, you know, in their old, old years, you know, on those scooters and, you know, the, there's yeah, yeah. motorized, um, you know, I don't know what you call them, but motorized scooters, they can get themselves around because they can't walk anymore because they've got osteoarthritis and, and so oh, forth. Oh, is that why? Yeah, oh, yeah, a lot oh. of people, yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, once you get older, your, your, your bones start getting more brittle and all that sort mm. of stuff. And if you're not living a life of, you know, um, where you don't exercise and you don't increase your muscle, lean muscle or increase your bone density, what's going to happen is we're just going to start deteriorating a lot quicker. Mm. You know, uh, I've seen, but I've seen people, you know, being in this industry, I've, I've seen people in their 90s that are still able to move extremely well, still able to exercise. Mm. They've got their cardio up there uh, and it's because they've just always exercised throughout, throughout their whole lives. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it, it really does help with quality of life for your health, you know, your, your physical aspect as well. Uh, and, it, and it also helps, you know, I call it the ripple effect. When you're feeling really good within yourself mm. and you've got your health and everything, you know, in order, I feel that that projects out into the universe uh, mm. and it can it has a ripple effect and it can help others you know whether they get inspired by you or whether they learn what you've done you know mm. and, and then they do it because they see, see that it works for you so why can't it work for me mm. uh, so you're not only helping yourself but you're helping the world yeah with it and you're helping improve everyone's quality of life and the the, the fact that you probably would be in a better mood than oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and, you you're know, not otherwise. Yeah. yeah oh that's it you know like you you do a, a good half an hour workout, you're mm. not going to walk out feeling angry. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And you know what? I want to add something um, about uh, the health and the movement and mobility of people in their older years is that I know for a fact that I have a couple of clients and friends as well who have um, dementia yeah. Yeah. or early onset and... Uh, Parkinson's and yep. a few of these sort of uh, neurological uh, deteriorations yep. and they have been advised by their neurologist to um, do uh, impactful exercises yep. exercises that are difficult to do mm. weights um, not not really walking and strolling yep. but more um, something that requires energy yep. and coordination yep. And apparently that can delay the progression That's of right. the symptoms. A hundred percent, yeah. Uh, I mean, I personally know a couple of people with Parkinson's and my grandma died, she had dementia. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, definitely they've, you know, they've been doing a lot of research around exercising and, and also like people, for example, with, with Parkinson's, the diet, you know, you know, things like gluten and stuff like that can, oh, yeah. can make it worse. So. Uh, the nutrition side of things as well, but definitely, um, yeah, it it comes down to doing a bit more than just your general exercise, which is walking and all that stuff, because that's what we've done our whole lives. Mm. And you really got to get in there and help, um, you know, increasing that lean muscle, the, the bone density, and just mm. having that movement going. Mm. And it can definitely, you know, uh, delay the well, just even help you with the symptoms and 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 delay it from getting you a lot quicker than it would if you didn't do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah. 
I try to <laughs> encourage yeah. my, you know, family members who are older to do a bit more. Well, that's it. Yeah. Um, exercise, but it's hard. <laughs> it's well, look, hard sometimes. Yeah, it is, and they're set in their ways, and I think they there's a mindset they have that it's you know they've got to it's going to really hurt them you know when mm. they do. But it, the key to it is you know you got to start them start slow and just build it up. Yeah. Just just keep building it up, and before you know it, you know you're able to do it, and you're helping yourself. Mm. You know, don't just give up on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the social aspect um, in terms of being, I guess, okay, now I, I would say the difference between doing exercise and activity in general and going to a gym? Yeah. Well, I guess um, there's definitely a social aspect as well. Like some people just want to go to the gym and just do their thing mm. uh, and be left alone. Um, but I've seen a lot of those types of people as well eventually form friendships and mm. even relationships you know oh really yeah yeah within, within the gym uh, so for a social aspect it's a good thing and it, I think it'll it depends on which where you go as well like which gym because okay. every gym has a different culture and a different vibe um, oh that's yeah, true yeah so some gyms you know you probably find that people are more sort of either sticking to themselves or there's more clicks in the gym yeah, yeah. whereas there's other places where everyone just feels like, you know like a family and that's I guess you know that's what I love about about my gym uh, is that everyone there is literally like a family, you know, mm. and you go there and everyone becomes friends, and you know, you know, mm. there's no real clicks there. No one judges anyone, you know. And our motto is everybody fits in, so we're mm. we're all equal. But for people that really want to make friends, mm. the gym is a good place because it's you're going somewhere that you're constantly seeing people there, mm. the same people, and eventually yeah. you're in the same space, you know. So I encourage people that you know really want to. One, make a change with their lives, but two, meet some friends. Go mm. to a gym. It's, a, it's the best place to meet someone. Yeah. You know, I was just, um, I noticed, this is I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks now. Yeah. And there's this woman who would come in around, I think, 9 a.m. was 8 a.m. Yeah. And she has um, a pram. Oh, yeah. She has okay. a newborn. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the first time I saw her there, and I think I was the only one at that time, on that day, and I was just like... Yeah. Respect to whatever you're doing. Well, like you that's really cool. Yeah. You brought a newborn baby yeah. in a pram yeah. to yeah. the gym. And yeah. she's like, Oh, it's my first day back and yeah. you know, since my pregnancy, since I've given birth, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, dude, you're here and you yeah. brought your baby. You Who go. does that? Yeah. That's I know how you talk that's, okay. that's actually my accountant's uh, wife. Oh yeah. sweet. Um, normally, you know, on the gym floor, um, you know, you're probably not supposed to have kids but um, she, I think she comes like she at, comes really when, early yeah when there's yeah. hardly anyone there and um, I kind of just you know gave her the permission as long as the baby's safe and all that stuff but yeah it's you know it's it's very uh, impressive you know you've yeah you've got a woman that's just had a kid and she's like I still need to go to my gym yeah. and, I, and I think that it would help especially mothers you know when they've you know had their, had their, their child you know I don't know what it's like because I'm never going to be able to have a child because I'm a male but I can imagine it would be tough work you know yeah. it'd be hard you know and the gym not only just for the mental aspect but when you give birth and you've got a baby you've got to hold the baby mm. and what a lot of people fail to realize is that they need to get their arms shoulders and their back muscles and chest muscles mm. strong you know preferably before they've you know had that pregnancy uh, yeah. so they can hold the baby properly with that back pain and all that sort of stuff oh, uh, so I think it's really important for women to um, to get in there and, and exercise when they're allowed to after having a child preferably if you're planning to have your kid you know you want to be exercising before 
you actually conceive just to get a, a bit of a foundation going mm. and then you want to train while you're pregnant obviously there's certain ways to train while you're pregnant and then once you've cleared to go back mm. get straight back into it yeah mm. so yeah wow yeah yeah and i think our generation is a little bit more aware of this and they're not we're not particularly i guess um anxious when it comes around yeah. comes to exercise and, and pregnancy anymore yeah. oh think, yeah. yeah i think there's a there's, there's a there's a lot of understanding and knowledge out there and information that it's okay and it's yeah. normal you don't have to treat your body like you know it's a glass bottle That's right, yeah. <laughs> like it will not uh, shatter exactly it needs to be strong it does yeah yeah Oh, I, and speaking of inclusivity and the social aspect of your gym like I've seen okay that yeah. <laughs> um, I've seen um, pregnant women there yeah. um, doing rows so she's probably working yeah. on her back maybe yeah. you told her to do that yeah. um, there's just people from various ages um, like kids that yeah. are from the neighborhood school I think they must be teenagers yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got all the way up to seniors. Yep. Um, yeah, we got a bit of bit of uh, everyone, and that's what I love about it, you know. And and it all works. It all just works well, you know. We've yeah. never got any issues. Uh, even the in the afternoons, the school kids come, and you know, there's quite a, a large group that sometimes come at once. Mm. And normally, it would just annoy, you know, some of the older members. Yeah. But they the kids are all respectful, and you know. Yeah. And I think it comes down to the culture that we've got in the club. Okay. Yeah, it all. If if the culture is good, then everyone's going. You're going to attract the same types of people. Mm, that's you know, true. Um, and it's just going to work a lot better if your culture is really bad. Mm. Yeah, you know, and you're not leading from the top the way it should be, then you know, then you're going to get your issues. So, mm. yeah, we're blessed that we've got great members and a good culture. So, mm. yeah. So who formed the culture? Uh, well, I guess you know, uh, having done this for many years, you know. I've, one because I've managed a lot of gyms, you know, okay. a lot of the big big chains, and just something that I've implemented at each club uh, that I've had to manage was a, a culture shift, oh. uh, and how I do that is basically because I've always been well, the, you know, like the leader, that, as in because I've been the boss, mm. you know, uh, I've always realised that it's it all starts with that person, you know, okay. so the the creating the culture comes down to whoever is that leader. Okay. And basically, then your team around you. You know, mm. you want to find people with the same morals and values as yourself, okay. so then they can trickle it all down into the members, mm. um, and then that's how you create a good culture. Mm. You know, so for example, if I was in a bad mood every day and I'd go to the gym and I was going off at the staff and mm. you know I was pick, picking at everything, how are they going to feel? Right? They're going to they're going to hate coming there. Mm. So that's just and that energy is going to project out to the members. And then it creates a bad, bad culture, mm. and you just somehow start attracting people that. The more aggressive. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, so it doesn't matter how much of a bad day I'm having, um, and that's one thing I've learned. You know, because we all go through stuff. As soon as you walk in that door, mm. you got to let all that go because if you don't, then you're going to start ruining the culture within that that club. Because people can feel it, right? Like mm. you know, you can feel it when someone's angry, or yeah. they don't even have to say anything. You can just feel it, and then it just puts a negative spin into, into everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So obviously the the culture change, I created that from day one, and then then the team and whoever else, uh, you know, had to well, pretty much was following the same sort of principles, mm. and yeah, and that's how you. It's it's pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. You you need to keep everyone there happy. I guess you know, keep them happy so they don't put any bad negative 
you know, energy onto anyone. You know? yeah. And that's how you keep that culture alive. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is also the um, the fact that you know our body language does seventy percent of the communication. Yeah. And although you don't go around or your team members, they don't go around speaking to everyone in the gym, just your mannerisms. And I've, I have noticed it, not in yeah. a creepy way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the way yeah. like you, you move around when you do your tasks and your chores, it is, it's very gentle. Yeah. It's well, very good. gentle, it's yeah. not aggressive at all. Um, there's no rush. Yeah. I don't see you rushing. Yeah, nice. Um, so it kind of keeps a certain sort of, um, calmness yeah. at the gym yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very calm yeah there's no like rush there's yeah. no and and this is the other thing which i've noticed and i've been at your gym for what six months seven months i don't know october yeah it's Since been september october something yeah, like towards, that yeah. and i've never felt impatient yeah. and i've never received um any been yeah i haven't received any like negative um kind of reactions or inputs yeah. or even looks by anyone else when it comes to um you know sharing machines yeah. or waiting for each other everyone yeah. is so courteous yeah, like yeah. it's so strange because i come from such a big fast city yeah where there's you know the population density is just yeah. too high yeah and everything is extremely capitalized and yeah. commercialized and you know everything's go 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 fast yeah. fast fast and you know if you're holding someone up you really like feel guilty yeah. you want to get out of there yeah um but i don't get that yeah. at all i'm glad i'm glad that you've um been able to actually observe that because it's just nice to hear because when you know being the business owner you just um you don't really see yourself doing those sorts of things until someone actually acknowledges it so that, that that's good you know to hear and i, th- I guess that you know, like the whole culture thing coming back to it those things are so important because if you did see me there like running around like a headless chook looking stressed all the time mm. and, and believe me I get there's things that happen you know and, and I get stressed but I just never try and show it mm. um, and I think that you know that could help you know uh, keeping things calm and and you having said that just makes a lot of sense because mm. I, I have been in uh, some establishments where you just feel that, you know. You yeah. Just, yeah, you just feel like there's a huge rush and they're basically just waiting for, you know, one person to leave so then they can deal with the other, mm. uh, other person and, and all that stuff. And they just forget that you're actually projecting that out to mm. people. So you need to just calm down. Yeah. Like everything's going to be fine and let it just flow. So, mm. so yeah, thanks for mentioning that because that's actually, that's good to know, yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, 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 I'm a bit observant yeah, <laughs> given my yeah. background. Yeah. Um, but how how do you keep things like I wouldn't say under wraps because you seem to me like someone who is quite in check with his mental health. Yeah. Like you wouldn't I don't think you're the type of person that would suppress. But how do you keep things regulated? Um, um you know, when, when things get things get a bit crazy. Yeah, well I guess, you know, um I've, I've learnt a lot over the years and like it's it's you basically got to practice every time some situation arises mm-hmm. you need to remind yourself okay this is happening how do I how do I react to this right now how do I deal with it accordingly you know in the past I was you know, quite reactive with certain things and situations but I think you know in recent times I've learnt to um, to try to be more proactive with it so if, if something happens something goes down 
you acknowledge that there's a problem mm-hmm. how do I fix it instead of I acknowledge there's a problem and I'll just keep acknowledging the problem over and over mm. and over and then it becomes a huge problem and then you, and then you've just got no energy left to have how to deal with it so it just comes down to um, when things happen just deal with it find the solution mm-hmm. once you found the solution then it's gone mm. and then you then you get ready for the next issue and then you know um, and, and just deal with it you know each time but it, it, it does come down to practice practice yeah. yeah what about when there's no direct or immediate solution like how do you uh, deal with things then so basically if you know naturally when when something happens and we get stressed the the peak of the stress is the initial moment mm-hmm. right like at the peak of it is you know you're just angry or whatever it is and you have all these bad thoughts and if you realize that, that there's no short-term solution like immediate solution uh, basically what i tell myself is it's going to get fixed anyway mm-hmm. it's going to get sorted regardless uh but then you know once the peak of that worry or that stress is gone you know then you can your mind's more clear and then you, you delve into it more and then really work towards that, that mm. solution. Because everything has a solution. Some things just take a bit longer to solve, you know. Um, and how do you sit with that, with the time? Um, well, there's some things that you can control and some things you can't. Mm. So if you can't, contro- can't control it in that time, I just literally leave it to the universe. Mm. And I, uh, something that my wife taught me in recent years is thank the universe for uh you know things good things happening in your life thank the universe don't ask for it but just thank the universe mm. you know say for example if something goes goes down it's like the gym or the door breaks down or something like that and i know there's no short-term like immediate fix mm. i'll literally thank the universe saying thank you for getting this problem fixed for me thank you and oh, and, hey. and visualizing it and believing it and honestly it works really like, it works a lot that's yeah. awesome. The mindset, you know, it's and you know, it's something I've practiced, you know, recently, even being a business owner, sometimes you'll have slow slow periods. So for example, about a month ago we had two weeks of it was just really dead. But mm. it was I believe it was because of my mindset at the time because I started um, buying into the fear of of it. you know, as a business owner, especially with all the COVID stuff that's happened, mm. the lockdowns, I've had a bit of fear pop up like, what if this happens or what if mm. I lose my business or but in, in that week, I remember in those couple of weeks, I, was, I remember saying to myself, you're creating this, mm. you're creating this, this you know, um, downward period in your business because of your mindset. So what I started doing is every single day, I started talking to the universe and saying, I choose to not buy into the fear. Mm-hmm. I just kept saying, I choose to not buy into the fear. I choose. And I swear within a couple of days, I started getting all these inquiries and sales. Seriously. And I hadn't done any marketing, nothing. It was just, cool. it was just my mindset, like, just telling myself that, and all these things were just. And I've done it before. I've practiced. I've had times where, you know, the business was going a bit slow, and I'm like, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to, but it was just me not believing. Mm. I was just like, oh, just the fear. And then as soon as I get myself out of it and I start thinking positive, mm. it just starts getting busy again. It's just un- interesting. It's unbelievable, and and that's something that um. I've been practicing that for many years now, and but it's something that really my wife helped me with because she's uh, she's just always zened out. Like she's mm. she's just got a way of knowing that everything's gonna be fine. Gonna work out. Yeah. yeah, it's not over till the well, that's it. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, I've, I mean, I've met your wife. I've had the um, pleasure to meet with her yeah. a few times. I haven't really spoken to her too much, but yeah. she's so calm. Yeah, she's... <laughs> she's so zen. She's very, very, very... I've never met anyone like her. Even, like, recently, she had a... As I've told you, she had a health scare. Mm-hmm. And her GP, you know, uh, basically told her that she possibly had a malignant cancer. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were there, I just started bawling my eyes out. You know, and she just looked at me and smiled and she was just like, don't even worry. And, you know, I remember we left, we left that doctor that day and I just sat in the car and I was just, just kept crying. She was just looking at me going, you know, you're buying into the fear. So mm-hmm. even if, she's like, even if the, what the doctor's saying is correct, which, which the diagnosis was wrong anyway, thank God. Mm-hmm. She said to me, she goes, I choose to not let this take over me and I know that I can heal my body. And mm-hmm. then that night, I remember we were at home and I was not in a good way because I was so worried and we're watching her favorite show The Big Bang Theory and um, mm. I just couldn't enjoy it because it's a funny type of show yeah. and she's laughing at all the jokes and, and I'm like uh, I remember I looked at her I go how can you be in this such a happy state when the doctors just told you that possibly you've got malignant cancer she goes because I choose to be like this and I choose to not let it you know take over mm. but it's but she said that it, she's worked on herself for many years to be able to get get to that level okay you know and that's what i strive to to get to yeah. and i think that if we can all get to that level then the world will be a better place wow yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. really inspired hearing that story yeah, and you're very lucky to have to live with someone to be I in am. such a close intimate relationship yeah. with someone who is such a role model yeah. in that sense 100 percent. she's helped me you know a lot it's funny because a lot of people look at me and think oh this guy's got you know you know, he's fit and this and that and he must have like the best life and no stress and you mm. know and that's not the case you know but you know I've just very recently just learnt more coping mechanisms you know but then people come into your life like you know I met Alicia and she's my wife now and they can be a tool for you to you know help you progress and see it in a different way mm. and then and that's what I was talking about before with the whole ripple effect mm. you know you can if you want to change the world you got to start with yourself because mm. You know, you have that ripple effect. So if we all do a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and it just keeps flowing. Yeah, so, yeah, ble- very blessed to have met her. Yeah. That is such an inspiring yeah. story. And thank you for sharing and giving us oh, a welcome. glimpse of yeah. um, your sense of spirituality as well and how this ties in in your life yeah. um, in such a personal way. W- is there anything else you'd like to share about your your personal journey yeah, around uh, mental health that you think might benefit people? Yeah, sure, sure thing. Um, yeah, look, I went through, um, I've you know my whole life gone through mental health issues. Uh, more, more so, it was basically to cut a long story short. It was 2012. I was in a, a car accident and I was severely injured and. Um, so the doctors um, and I was off work for a few months and everything, and then the doctor starts, you know, start prescribing with, with pain medications. So they start yet yeah, the the you know the less you know uh, hardcore tablets I guess if you want to call it, uh, but most of them just weren't working. I was in a lot of pain. So and then they started giving me um, Valium and to you know calm my muscles, and they're giving me these tablets called Tramadol and. Oh, Tramadol, yeah. Tramadol, that's uh, an interesting one. Yeah, and uh, Oxycodone and you know, mm. all that stuff, you know. So I was heavily, heavily medicated and um, 
and yeah it, there was instances where I pretty much nearly lost my life because of the, 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 the tablets because I started building up a high tolerance especially to, to Valium I started building a high tolerance and then before I knew it you know I was taking like 10, 20 tablets a day what? yeah <laughs> sorry yeah yeah um, how? it was that because your tolerance builds up so high and because I was off work and then I started going into you know a downward spiral and I was heavily depressed and it literally was making me suicidal you know, see in the mornings I'd wake up thinking I just don't want to be here anymore you know mm. um, and that's when it all really started so it wasn't I don't think it was something I was born with however I believe we all have some sort of mental illness mm-hmm. but you know some people on a high scale some people on a low scale mm. uh, type of thing but yeah my I started getting heavily depressed um, based because of the, the medications they were giving me and um, to the point where I was, you know, one night <laughs> almost took my own life because that, that's what it does to because it decreases all your dopamine when, mm. you, when you're withdrawing, you know. Um, so this, you were in withdrawals oh, yeah, stages it was, at this point, you stopped taking them? Well, I would go through stages where I would just stop taking it for a couple of days because I just had enough, you know, you'd have enough. But in those two days, you'd just become like suicidal and, and your whole world is crumbling and you're just sitting there going, what's going on? But it's because I was withdrawing so much from these these meds, and the doctor kept um, he just kept the issue was that my doctor was prescribing me a box like one week too early, until he realised that I had an addiction, and he turned around and he goes, "I think you're addicted." Oh, so and he he caught on. He it. caught on to it, but I kind of I was kind of like upset with him at the time as well because I was like, "Well, you kept giving me, yeah, you kept giving it to me, right, this whole time," and. And because um, usually they give you a script and you're supposed to use those tablets within, say, two weeks. Yeah. But I was going through, like, say, a box in a week, right? Mm. And then I'd go back and go, hey, I need more. And he kept doing that for a while. But then after a while, he goes, I think, I think you're addicted. And then, but the depression became, it was just out of control, you know. Um, and so I had to go, uh, I went back one day. It was, I booked in with that, at that same GP practice, but I wanted to see a different doctor to get a different opinion and uh, so I actually booked it was on a weekend because I knew that that doctor wasn't there and um, this uh, other doctor looked through my file and he was shocked to see how many prescriptions that the doctor had given me and this doctor so it's not common practice no but now they've um, now they've actually since then they've brought in uh, more regulations with doctors so it's heavily controlled so they can't just hand them out Mm. like lollies but I'll, I'll never forget this doctor. He looked at me and he said, "I'm going to talk to you right now as a brother, not a patient." And um, and he goes, "I'm telling you right now." He goes, "You've been giving way too much mm. medication," and he said, "The reason why you're actually feeling suicidal and depressed for all this time is, in my opinion, because of the medications that you're on." But I went, I battled with it for another probably like. I don't know, it was 2012, so I probably battled with it up until really like a few years ago. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Science of the Soul. This is a short interruption to let you know that if you or someone you know are in need of more support, you can find me at Road to Recovery on my Facebook page, my Instagram, or my website at aroadtorecovery.org. I hope you've enjoyed listening so far. And now let's get back to the podcast. Yeah. Wow. Recently, yeah, because it was on and off. Because you know you, you get so addicted, and then you need the um, the 
painkilling aspect. Uh, so I went through like, yeah, it's been a crazy journey of like up and down, up and down, mm. get myself off it and then you go back on it, you know. Um, but what's kept me going is the gym, you know. So exercising, um, mm. I swear if, if I wasn't a, a gym guy or I don't know, I probably wouldn't be here right now because I think it would have just overtaken. Mm. Um, and now like my full addiction is, is the gym, you know. And even that, it's not excessive, you know. But But that was my sort of mental health journey was basically because I was given all these medications mm. and it was causing this false type of depression mm. you know uh, and then I had to go on antidepressants so I was on are you serious yeah <laughs> oh my God. yeah so I went from and, and the GP just recommended he goes look you you're either gonna top yourself right now or oh, just get on these get on these tablets for a good couple of years so we can just make you feel better again and then for a couple of years yeah but it ended up being like five years I was on them and um and in the end you know I was just like I don't, I don't want to be on these, these these medications anymore so I just stopped one day mm. and I didn't realise that you're not supposed to wing off yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I went through hell I went through hell oh, no. and uh, so I had to go back to the doctor and they had to put me back on then I had to do like these wing off programs but I had to it was the opiate addiction was probably the worst um you know, and I had to go and do this this program with Queensland Health where they get you off it, but then they give you this these tablets called Suboxone, and it was even worse. And I was like, what's what, the point of... So they basically... Mean? It's like an, an opiate, but like a less aggressive one or, you know, less potent one, I guess. But it was just messing me up. And I remember going back to the lady going, what is the point of this? Like, you're trying to make me, you know get rid of this one addiction but you give me another one type of mm. type of thing so I went through all these like processes and I went to all these different healers to help I did hypno in the end it all came down to me realizing that there's no one out there that can help me except for me there's mm. no there's no one out there that could get me off them it was just me myself yeah. really yeah because I tried so many different ways and they're all like oh we can help you we can help you but really it comes down to you you know, it comes down to how bad do you want to stop? You know, um, do I really need this anymore? Like my pain's a lot better now. And mm. It's just serving me no, no, no purpose. Uh, so that was my mental health battle. And, and obviously when I was yeah, younger, you know, I had, you know, growing up was a bit tough for us as well. Uh, not Nothing to do with my parents, amazing people, but uh, I remember, you know, as a kid, I just didn't feel accepted and stuff mm. like that. Um, did you grow up in Australia? Yeah, grew up in Australia. Were you born here? Yep. So I was born in well, I was born in Mackay in Australia, mm-hmm. um, and then we moved to Brisbane when I was eight. Okay. Uh, but at the time, my, when I was you know little young kid, we lived in Bowen as well, which was near Mackay, and my parents were like tomato picking. Cool. Yeah, uh, but we lived on this farm, and um, the guy that was that owned the farm he had the workers. The only workers he could get were you know people from overseas you know immigrants and all that sort of stuff but he was a very racist man mm. uh, and uh, we used to so my parents we had like a tent that we used to live in on his property mm-hmm. and um, one of the reasons why I think I grew up feeling you know a bit outcasted I guess was uh, because of that experience of living there uh, the guy wouldn't let my brother and I play with his kids wow. because of our skin colour and ethnicity yeah and he made it quite clear to us 
Yeah, so so I think some of my, you know, some of my mental health can stem from uh, when I was a child, but I think the majority of it was from literally from the, the, med- drugs. the medications, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and until you get yourself out of it, like it's no one can really help you. There's tools and all that, and it's just the same thing with with the gym, you know, like. You could be there all day and give someone advice, but you can't force them, mm. force them to do it. So, but if you can do it, you know, it's, uh, it's it, the gym basically, like I said, if, if I wasn't into the gym, I think that that journey would have taken me by now because mm. you know, the gym literally keeps you going. Mm. You, know? I, I, yeah. you know, it's really strange because when you think about places of inspiration, you think about like, um, the Louvre or you know like all these museums yeah. and um, what is that tower called the Eiffel Tower oh, yeah, that, one. <laughs> that tower yeah, that one, <laughs> that one. Yeah. and all these like um, you know the, the, the Sistine Chapel all these beautiful places the yeah. Great Wall I actually had a dream about the Great Wall of China last night really yeah, yeah. and then yeah. I also dreamt this guy um, stole my car and then he lost his arm so I'm guessing watching too many yeah Asian Asian zombie movies (laughs) Um, but yeah when we think about places of inspiration we think about all these like beautiful places of art and you know just or maybe even spiritual places like the pyramids and all that but really sometimes it's just in your backyard is your you know your local gym or your local community space where at the end of the day when all you need is to be inspired because That's it sounds it. like the action that you need to take, the, the life-changing actions are taken by you and you you choose to make to take that step. You choose to make the choice to, like your wife said, to be anxious, to, to, yep. to, to let the fear overcome you or to laugh at a good show. Um, you make that choice whether or not you want to be at the gym to feel good and do something about yourself or you just want you, know, you yeah. want the place to, to make you feel worse uh, about yourself yeah um and when it comes down to such a scary experience such an in-depth experience of addiction to yeah. drugs because of an accident yeah um it sounds like you were the only one that decided that you had to say no oh i had to you know it like it was to a point where you know, I remember once um, I was almost. It was basically like I was in like a, almost like a two uh, two day coma. Like I couldn't be woken up because of the amount of Valium that I had. And uh, what happened was I somehow got my dad's car and I drove it to my friend's house and I crashed. I crashed the car and um, and I think what happened was I told Dad that night I was like I'm going to be staying at my mate's house uh, for a night or so. Um, I was really out of it at the time and then yeah and I remember waking up like it was like a day and a half later or something what? yeah where? Yeah. in the car? no no, no I, was at, it was, okay. I was at my friend's house because okay. what happened was I crashed the car and I called my mate because I was going to his house and it was still drivable okay. uh, just and he's like just get the car here got the car there and he could see I was just out of it because the Valium just zonks you out almost and um, yeah and I told him what happened and so basically he said that I literally was sitting down and then I got up and walked outside and he goes I just fell to the ground like put my I just like kneeled onto the ground and he said next minute he said you were just asleep 
And, you know, he... he Kneeling? Yeah, like, no, I, I kneeled down and he went and sort of grabbed me. He was oh. like, picking up, going, what's wrong? But he knew that I had been medicated because oh. he knew about my addiction back then. So, um, and yeah, so basically he just made a bed and I slept, you know. Oh. And then Dad, you know, came and, and like a day and a half later, whatever, he was worried. But because I told Dad, look, I'm not going to be home for you. Mm, so he was like, time, all right, he's out. Yeah, and... Yeah, and I remember, and that was, that was my, my turning point, because mm. I remember waking up and Dad was there, I was just like, what's happened? No recollection of anything. Really? Yeah, because it wipes you out. Like, at that time, at that moment, I had no, I just didn't know what was going on. Whoa. And then, um, yeah, and then Dad, you know, was speaking to my mate, and then, yeah, and then my mate kind of rem- reminded me of what happened, and it was just sort of the flashbacks. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was stupid, because I had no control. Mm-hmm. I was... Yeah, I could have killed someone that night. Could have killed myself, um, and that was it for me. I turned around and said to myself, "Well, it's either this is going to take you, or you got to stop, stop the foot, you know." And um, yeah, and then I, I literally tried so many different. I had so many different people trying to help me, um, but so I kind of got it under control after that. That it, you know, went yeah, back that's... back into it a bit. Mm. Uh, but then yeah, and then one day I was just like, I'm just. I've just had it, mm. completely had it. So, it's it's a really dangerous thing, you know. Um, all these medications and and you know people are getting influenced by their idols. You know, there's mm. a lot of celebrities that that basically promote it. Really? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, heaps of celebrities that you know promote taking drugs in their music and like and you know back in the day it was just you know all the the drugs that the black market drugs. But now mm. they're they're talking about taking you know the over the counter uh, pharmaceutical drugs. You know, really? and, and yeah, and oh. like basically like acting like they're really cool because they take Xanax and you know and all that, and then you got all their followers, yeah, thinking that's all. Is they, that allowed? It's like you need advertising from Marlboro. Well, basically, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. But you know, especially with like, because I'm I'm heavily into hip hop music. Uh, you see a lot of these. You hear a lot of these new age sort of rappers, uh, and they got like millions of followings, and you know, in in some of their songs, they're talking about popping. Xanax and, and all that stuff and then you've got like their their fans that think oh it's cool you know so mm. we should we should start so it's a really it's just it's a really um there's a very oh. bad culture with all that stuff you know and um and yeah there's a lot of doctors that have just been handing scripts out because it's a business for them yeah you know and it's terrible and I really want to be able to help people um help people see the light and know that you, there's a way out of it because when you're in it you feel like there's just no way out of it like mm. it's just it's the worst place to be it yeah. sounds like it consumed you for years it consumed my entire life like really? it was it you know ruined relationships with friends and you know mm. all that sort of stuff um, but it took away it it, it was making me uh, it took my relationship away from with God as well at the time mm. because you just you lose you almost lose yourself Mm. Like you just, you just forget your identity and, you know, and your whole life is based around when can I get my next pills or like, it got to the point where wow. I was like getting, you know, um, you know, t- t- tablets off the black market. Like I found people that were able to somehow get stuff, you know, to that, to that point. Cause I could no longer go back to the doctor cause. Cause he was weaning you off. Yeah. He's the new doctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> So you can't really go back and go, oh, I need another script. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, mm. So yeah, and it's and the thing is, so many people are 
addicted to prescription drugs. Mm. So many people in the world are, are addicted, mm. and you know, and there's there there needs to be a change in this whole mm. medical system because you know, you look at me, you wouldn't think I'm, you know, people when I tell them the story, they're just like, oh wow, I just thought you was a fit gym guy. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. but. You know, and I wasn't planning on that happening, but it was just I had a car accident, and then mm. what they gave me was highly, this stuff is highly addictive, especially mm. the oxycodone. It's literally um, heroin in a tablet. That's really? basically what it is. Yeah. Oh my god. So and they're giving this to, you know, they they give this to you, and they're like, oh, but just only have you know one a day for a week, but once you have that. You know, you have a few or whatever. Yeah, you're like, no, I want this all the time. Yeah, because it's not only the. It doesn't only take away your pain, but it makes you feel amazing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes you feel on top of it. Especially, you know, when I was taking the Tarjans. Uh, I would take it. I would just feel like I could fly, you know. And I, oh. and that's why they're so addictive. And I just question. I just think, surely there's got to be a you know, better solution yeah. than giving this to people, you know. At the same time, though, you know, I was... It's my fault, though, because... No one put a gun to my head and said you need to take them. Mm. But I still think it's a bit dangerous, you know, being able to, being a doctor and just being able to hand out scripts like that. Yeah. You know, for things like whiplash. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So it's been a crazy journey, you know, but still here, still standing, you know. But, and you opened yeah. a gym. Yeah. You have a yeah. wonderful life. Yeah, like life, life's great. But when you're on that stuff, and your mental health is just not sound. Mm. You feel like your life is crap, you know, and then you forget to, you know, figure, uh, remember all the things that you do have in your life, mm. and you forget to be grateful for what you have. Mm. You know? It's almost like part of your brain went to sleep. Yeah, it's pretty it's, much like yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds like only a small part of your brain yeah. is working. You've lost perspective. Yep. You've lost connection to like the outside world 100%. completely, and only one part of the brain is functioning. That's the one that is living on these um endorphins yep that's being artificially administered that's right yeah yeah wow and it's so dangerous because you know anything that's you know you don't want to mess with the natural process in your body but anything that's synthetic mm-hmm. you know it pretty much tells your body you don't need to naturally do that now because i'm i'm here so yeah. if you keep doing that for long periods of times then when you come off it your withdrawals you know last a lot longer mm-hmm. and i'll tell you what withdrawing from opiates is like I can't even explain it unless you've been through it it's just like living in it's like you just in hell really yeah it is the hardest it's such a hard thing you know to go through physically and emotionally because it's it takes a while for the the withdrawal symptoms to subside but while they're happening it's so intense that all you want is for it to go away so the whole cycle of it is, oh, I'll just take another tablet so I can feel better. Mm. But then you put yourself right at the start again. And, you know, so it's just... Um, so it's like hell you have to go through. you got to go through it, yeah. you got to go through it. Um, I mean, I don't suggest for anyone to go cold turkey on that stuff because I did a few times cold turkey and it was just ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I, when I finally decided that's it, I had to actually have a proper weaning off process. Uh, and then it, it minimised the... The withdrawals and I was okay but still you know like even sometimes I'll go through um bouts of just feel depressed mm. and they say that sometimes with some people that have had a history of addiction with that stuff 
for a few years or many years afterwards they can go through that you know what there's research on that yeah knowing that people get really addicted yeah, yeah so that's just telling me that there's so many people out there that's been addicted to these prescriptive drugs enough for them to run research trials or yeah like well, there you go yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh my god 100 percent. you know and it's that's yeah it's, okay so it is a common phenomenon like it's, i have no yeah. idea very common yeah and you'll be surprised there's, there's so many people hooked on this stuff because you know you go to the doctor and say i can't sleep or i've got anxiety or you know i'm in pain what do they do they just medicate you right mm. they're not they're not going to go oh well let's look at this holistically and yeah. like, let's practice meditation that's right, right now <laughs> right yeah because they're not it's not holistic right mm. and and that's that's what i believe is a big issue with the medical industry is that it's all based on your symptoms and then what drugs can we give you yeah, it's a band-aid yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. It's based on symptoms, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to ask you very briefly, because I'm mindful of time, yeah. but you mentioned that when you were withdrawing, you know, emotionally and physically, it was like hell. Yeah. Can you just... Like, I've, I've never been through addiction. Yeah. I don't work with um, clients with addiction either. Yeah. So I'm just... I've learned, like basics because i had to in school and because i don't have any like personal experience even from family or whatever like i actually don't know i'm so naive yeah what do you mean so how do you feel like when you like what does yeah what does that mean like what does it look like yep so basically so you start there's all these different types of withdrawal symptoms you can get from different types of medications right so we'll go with the the oxycodone because that was you know the hardest one uh, so basically, you you start basically feeling severely depressed once the drug comes out of your system, right? Extreme depression because your dopamine has just completely. So it was on a big high and then mm. it's dropping and then it takes so it's like time. A plunge. Yep, and then it takes time for it to to build okay. up, right? So you go through that. But what's going through? Like, what do you, you feel? Like you what's feel happening for you in your head. In my head, it's basically like. How do I put this? It's like I just want to be able to rip through my body and escape. I would just want to mm. take. <laughs> it's really hard. Like it, you feel so uncomfortable in your skin and in your head oh my that God. you just don't want to be yourself anymore. It right? sounds like hell. It is. Right? It's, it's imagery yeah. from hell. It really is. And then you start looking at other people and going, "I actually wish I was that person right now," because they're not going through this. I would do anything just to trade places. I'm going through hell you'd shake so you get tremors you would sweat oh my gosh. can't sleep bad thoughts in your head like the most negative negative thoughts um, pop in your head you, you have really bad stomach problems so digestive mm. issues and can all that. you eat? you can yeah, but not as much as like because yeah. you go into so much stress and anxiety that naturally when that happens anyway you, you can't you really eat. eat but because um, your whole digestive system takes a hit uh, it is really, it takes time for you to be able to eat properly so I was like there'd be times where I'd lose like weight when I'm like for example trying to go cold turkey I'd just lose four or five kilos in the week because I couldn't get my are get, you serious? yeah get my meals in and then people would be like oh are you alright and then I'd have to lie and go yeah I'm just on a cut I'm just cutting because like, mm. I you know, didn't want to tell people but it, it was really bad like you get goosebumps you get uh, it was even bringing my PTSD back so I'd get like mm. flashbacks of stuff that I've got PTSD be- 
over. So mm-hmm. it was like really bringing those those things back. Mm-hmm. Nightmares, uh, you name it. Like just, it's the most uncomfortable feeling and the and pain as well. Like because when you're coming off it, your receptors, you know, uh, that we're used to having the meds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no longer you know working because it takes a while for the receptors to regenerate yeah. so then you get these phantom pains and you just start getting like muscle aches and they're not real they're not real well it's just well I mean, it's, it's re- mental it's real in the sense that be- because you're withdrawing right okay so it could it's, but it's, it's not real, but from like yeah, I mean, you're not bruising no, internally or anything no and it's not like because I've just picked something up heavy and I've hurt myself it's literally like full on pain because the body no longer has that that drug to help you for that period of time and it took when I did it probably it took me probably about a good probably two or three weeks for those symptoms the withdrawal symptoms to subside but two or three weeks of going through that is it feels like forever like because it's 24 hours a day right the only time you can escape it is if you're asleep but you can't really sleep that well either yeah no wonder you'd want to kill yourself oh it was just yeah you did You, you definitely um yeah, you get to the point where you're like, this is just too much. But, you know, I'm not I'm not that weak to, to escape. Yeah. You know, I always told myself, yeah, I do get those feelings of suicide, but it's just not going to happen, you know. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I used to go on forums and look, look at, um, read other people's journeys and stories and it's just all sad and negative. So just, you know, people mm. are like, oh, there's no hope left for you. And <laughs> once you're in it, you know, and it felt like that. Wow. It, it, it literally felt like I've got no control, you know, anymore. But you just the withdrawals of it is is sickening, and that's why a lot of people can't get out of their addictions because it's easy to make the decision to stop, but it's so hard to continue it when you're withdrawing because mm. all you like, for example, if you have a headache, what do you do? You just take a Panadol to fix it, yeah. right? Uh, that's how you that's how you're going to. You're just like, oh, okay, I could fix this right now if I just have two twenty milligram tablets or whatever. But then I'm screwed again the next day. Like, yeah, okay. So it's, it's really tough. And that's why people um, revert back to it in the first like week. Because they go through the withdrawals and they feel better. And they can't see, they can't push through that darkness. Yeah. Because yeah. like, for listeners who can't see my face right now, yeah. well, well um, you've been telling me all these things. I know I'm just like holding yeah. my face. Like, yeah. It's like I'm watching a horror movie. Yeah, and it literally is like that. And... And it affects everything, you know, like my family were all, all worried and, you know, my brother told me that I'd ring, because my brother's very supportive of me, you know, and um, he told me that I used to sometimes ring him, this is like back, back, you know, when it first was in its peak, mm-hmm. I would just ring him and abuse him. Are you serious? And just go off. And no recollection of it. No idea. Because, wow. you know, that, that was when I was heavily on the Valium, because the Valium can wipe, it literally can wipe your, your memory, you know. Um, and then I was just yeah, I was using it to escape a lot of my pain and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then you use it as a, an excuse. Oh, I'll just take it so I can, mm-hmm. you know feel better. But it's just it's all rubbish. And yeah, I'm glad I went through it though. I'm I'm really glad I went through it because um, you know if you if if anyone can come out of an opiate addiction or a benzo addiction, you, you can conquer anything because it's the it's like especially the opiate one. It's you know, and speaking to, you know, a pharmacist uh, who's a relative of mine, he knew mm-hmm. about it. He literally said, he's like, if you can get yourself out of this opiate addiction, he goes, you've achieved everything in life because it's the hardest thing. And 
you know, this guy makes makes this stuff, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, uh, but I'm glad I went through it because I think there's certain people on this planet that needs to go through that sort of stuff mm-hmm. so then you can start helping others. Because mm-hmm. I know, uh, you know, there's a few, few. Not, I will never mention anyone's names, but a few of the young boys that even come to the gym and I know that, that they're going down that path, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been able to help them. Yeah. Sort of make them realise it's not a good good thing to go down you know but they're using it more because oh it feels great and this and that yeah. whereas initially for me it was just for the pain then, right. it, then it became a lot more right. you know? yeah and this whole time you were in a this started because of the car accident yeah. so does this mean that during the time that you were on a lot of medication you could not go to the gym you could not exercise uh, you couldn't yeah. do much activity yep yeah. so the, when the that 2012 accident happened um, I was basically off training for about a year okay that's long enough to really change your hits oh well that's the thing you know because the doctors were like no um, you can't you can't go to the gym and at the time because it was a work accident so I had a work it was like when I was at the job Mm -hmm. and because it was a work cover thing and all that stuff because I remember telling the doctor there's no way I can't I have to go to the gym He's like, but you're not, you know, you're not supposed to because of your injuries and, and uh, work cover and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I remember it was about 12 months and I just, I think that's what made me severely de- depressed more than anything. It was yeah. the lack of exercise. But back then, you know, there was a theory that when these accidents happen, you need to stop. But now that sort of, the oh, science yeah? is showing it's different. Okay. Um, you know, you be, it's better to move because you actually get better recovery and all that stuff. Oh. Um, yeah, so that, that uh, yeah, it was literally 12 months. And for me to have 12 months off, it's a huge, huge deal. I can't deal. imagine. Yeah, it was, it was tough. So I was not only getting depressed because I was, you know, on the meds, but I was also depressed because I wasn't training. Mm. But the injuries were that bad that I was, couldn't work, work for four months. Could you walk? Like, um, could you swim? Yeah, no, I could walk and all that. But there were days where I literally, if I didn't have a tablet, I wouldn't be able to walk properly or... Because wow, it was bad. it was pretty bad, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, but you know, you just come out of it, and you know, you just gotta push through it, I guess, and just learn from it. And, and I'm just know. trying to imagine right now. You've given me that that some sort of obviously a very um, simple understanding. I'm pretty sure what you actually went through was like a lot worse. So of what was happening internally. So I guess right now I was just I'm just trying to understand your life from like a helicopter's perspective point of yeah. view right now. So you couldn't work um, for four months. Yeah. You couldn't exercise for a year. Or you could do some small things. Yeah, but gym for a year. Gym, so yeah. You couldn't actually be in an environment that inspired you yeah. or, or or motivated you or whatever or something that is even familiar yeah. to feel comfortable in. So that was gone, you know, the work aspect was gone. Were there, like, what about your family members and things like that? Yeah. What about people, friends, like, how did they fit in or not fit in? Because if, if you caught the abuse, a lot of them yeah, don't remember. Was, yeah. <laughs> that would have also gone well, away. That's, yeah, that's the thing. Like, my, um, around when all those things were happening, my circle of friends just diminished. Um, and you know, I wasn't really hanging out with many people because there there was days, honestly, where I would just lay in bed and just wouldn't get out of bed because I was that depressed. Did uh, you live alone? At the time, I was with my family. Okay. Um, so I've like culturally, um, you know, with us, 
the parents like their kids to be with them as much as they can mm. and I've um, tried to be near my parents as much as I can to, to help them but at that time luckily I was actually staying with them um, mm. but it was tough for them because I don't think they understood what was happening you know especially my mum she just didn't get it you know why was I acting like that or being erratic oh, okay. yeah uh, but I think my brother would, would tell her because there was times where I would you know this stuff makes you angry you know um, and, and before all that I wasn't I was the most, the most upbeat guy, you know, positive, like, there was no problems, you know. That must have freaked your parents out. It did, it really did, and they didn't know how to deal with it. Um, but, you know, my brother helped me a lot. Like, my brother would ring me every day and, and, all, and all that stuff. But it really uh, can wreck a lot of relationships and friendships because when you're, you know, going through that and you're addicted to that sort of stuff, you can push a lot of people away or... You can, you know, you can say things that you actually don't mean. Mm. Like it literally almost it's like puts words in your mouth that you physically say. Example? But, oh, just like nasty things. Okay. Like nasty things like... Like, okay, I'll give you one example. Um, these, these friends of mine in Sydney, because uh, I record music, so I write mm. hip-hop music. I've been doing it for, for years. And um, they uh, basically, you know, one night on... Facebook they released this song and it was with this guy and and I made it and I was heavily on Valium that night whatever else I don't know <laughs> yeah and I remember waking up the next day and he sent me a and I woke up to his text going why would you say that on Facebook why would you I was like what's he even t- what are you talking about so I went and had a look and I literally like just gave them crap for this song that they recorded because I was like, oh, you know, you guys are just trying to... I forgot what I said. I just said something like, you guys are being tryhards now or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Which is totally out of my character, right? Yeah. And and I knew these people, mm-hmm. right? And um, and then I was like, what the hell? Like, what? Like, and it, it upset them, obviously, right? Yeah. So I was like, why would I, why would I say this? Don't even, don't even mean it or anything like mm-hmm. that. I didn't even it's remember. It's not even you. No. And I was like, oh, it's obviously the... The, the drugs because that's just not how I, how I am you know um, so it it makes you it would make you do and say things in some situations that one you wouldn't even know like remember you did it unless the person reminded you two it's just not something that you would normally say mm-hmm. you know so it was just it's just really dangerous stuff like it's not yeah if there's if you can sort of find a better substitute if you're mm-hmm. in pain and all that sort of stuff find it because in the end, that stuff will just destroy you. Oh yeah. my gosh. It sounds like you were possessed almost. It almost like, is. It's like something taken over you. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not nice. Not at all, you know. And you, when you're in it, you just got no control. Like you've, It takes over you so much, you know. Uh, and I think it was obviously because I was taking too much of it. Because how it works is you, you take it, then it works really well for the first few days or week. Mm-hmm. And then the body gets used to the dose. And then it stops working. It stops, you know, it's not as effective for your pain. That's why you're so you take more and more and more and more. And before you know it, you're like, wow. Wow. This is my whole life now. Like, how, how did you reintegrate from that? Like, <clears throat> so say you, you, the, you know, you've kind of started the battle of battling yourself yeah. pretty much. Um, and then now you're going back into the world. So you... Now you're a successful business owner and 
like how did you get here what was your yeah. reintegration like building back relationships finding your body again and all yeah. these sort of things yeah like, how did you um, do that definitely uh, there was a couple of relationships that fixed up okay um, and like the important ones but they were pretty understanding but really getting back to basics getting back to you know my gym stuff making sure that I'm consistently eating well um, and just kind of like remembering who you were who I was before mm-hmm. and before that I was the guy that was sociable and mm-hmm. you know no, no problems you know meeting new people or you know no insecurities about being in crowds or anything mm-hmm. like that um, but it was it, you know once once my head was clear mm-hmm. from all the drugs and everything it wasn't too it wasn't too hard to okay to transition back in okay. uh, because your mind's clear and you've got once you get because when you when you're in that you've got no spare space for new energy because right. it's just so clouded with <laughs> the dark energy as soon as all that's gone you've got this all this new space inside you mm. um, so it makes it a lot easier to be sociable and like to let people in and you know oh. so it wasn't it wasn't too hard because I was just a thinking more clearly and I guess the reason why I asked you this is because I'm drawing similarities or parallels with people who have gone through like alcohol addiction or other such um, illicit drug addiction and I guess reintegration for them is very difficult or especially uh, people who've you know gone through like gone been incarcerated so because for I guess for those things those situation there is a very evident and explicit stigma yeah whereas with pharmaceutical drugs it's that's right. there's no it's, stigma it's not, there exactly you know and that's that's a big issue as well mm. you know um, so you think there should be a stigma or look i think it's I, I don't think really there should be a stigma i just think there should be more education on okay. you know because and that's what it is stigma yeah, comes from the like lack of education it does it really does it's a very judgmental thing because mm. uh, there's some people that genuinely need pain, pain relief, right? Yeah. Like I genuinely needed it at the time, yeah. you know. But I didn't. I feel like I didn't have enough education initially for the doctor to go. But hang on a sec. These things are highly addictive. Mm-hmm. If you continue, to, if you keep like up your dose, or if you keep mm-hmm. taking it, this there was no education on it, right? So mm-hmm. I, for me, it was like, oh, the doctor's giving this to me. Mm-hmm. So I believed it, and you know, back then I didn't touch valiums and like before that uh, so you were not even I think, exposed no, to no I think may, I think maybe once in my life I had a valium before that maybe mm-hmm. uh, never certainly never had opioids or anything like that maybe mm-hmm. once or twice when I was like in really bad pain I had a panadine fort back in the day okay. but never had I didn't even know what tramadol was I had no idea what tarjan meant or anything like, like that oh my god yeah. you were throwing the deep end yeah. really fast yep they gave me all these things right and um they, they moved me up you know because mm. they they start you with the base stuff which is panadol didn't do anything and the neurofren didn't do anything mm. and they just work you up right um so but yeah if I think the problem is that there's no education to say Yes, I'm a doctor. I'm prescribing this to you, but you know, in from what we've experienced with patients, there's been some people that have extremely, be, you know, become addicted to mm. it. So we need to make sure that you don't become addicted to it. There was never talks like that. So I just mm. thought, oh, the doctor's giving a script. It's safe. Mm. That was my mindset. It's mm. coming from a doctor. Yeah, yeah. And then, and I thought, you know, I felt like I'm not going to get judged by my family because it's coming from the doctor. Yeah. So 
that's, doctor says. That's all right. And that's why there's no stigma because mm. it comes from the doctor, you know. Um, but that's the issue. There needs to be education. They need to... Um, they need to they need a whole new system with when they give people these drugs because you know i'm telling you it is that addictive especially the opioids because it 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 makes you feel like it gives you a feeling that i can't even explain what the feeling is but you just feel absolutely amazing while while you're on it like it's literally like bliss are you moving or are you just sitting there no you it's you can you, you can move around if you oh, want, okay. uh, but some people get feel sedated on it. Okay. Well, when you get used to it though, like at the start, I was like zombied out almost, but I felt great. I went like no pain, and I just it was like take it was like taking party drugs, like wow. you know what I mean. Uh, but what I found with it was that when you sit still, like with it, or you lay down, that's when it really hits you. Uh-huh. You know, so then I started getting in the habits of oh, I'm gonna use this to chill out. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. So that right, so I'll take cup, you know, pop a couple of pills, and then just lay in bed, and then you know you lay in bed, and then it just for hours and hours you just really yeah the opioids are like you know sometimes up to like ten twelve hours I remember just laying there and you're just still feeling it obviously there's a peak yeah and then it fizzles down but then you just still whereas with the Valiums it was short acting so you it hit you for like a couple of hours and then it's gone and then for the rest of the day you just feel like crap Gosh, okay you know um. So, yeah, I think they need more education. They need to explain to people what's ha- what can happen yeah. and how easily it can happen. So they need to have like some new reform with it. And they, they try to do that with the whole regulation, but I don't think it's enough. No, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much for sharing yeah. all that. You're um, welcome, yeah. It thank was you. quite a journey you took me on. I did not expect that. No. Um, no. <laughs> But thank you so much for yep. sharing and for your time and for, for joining us. Yep. Awesome, thank you. And maybe we will catch up again yep. soon. Sounds good. Okay, bye everyone. Bye.